even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never
which you fear, but speak of what you believe. Declare not the mountain of your illness, but begin to declare the greatness of your God, who is the great physician, who is able to melt that tumor, who is able to drive out that infirmity, who is able to restore that area of brokenness. For this is an hour not to declare one's fears, but to declare one's faith and to proclaim from the depths of our hearts the goodness, the greatness, the mighty power of the living God that you serve and who loves you with an everlasting love. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we bless you, Lord, we bless you, Lord. He is bigger, better, stronger, my God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you, and I won't be shaken, 
you and we praise you this morning. We thank you that there's nothing that will come against us that is mightier than your power, that is greater than your love, that is more moving than your compassion. And we choose this day to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understandings. We choose this day not to rehearse and to declare our fears, but to boldly declare and announce the faithfulness and the mightiness of our God. We love you and we trust you. And with the two-edged sword in our mouth, we will face our mountains, we will overcome our adversaries, and we will see the glory of God at work in our lives, in our families, forever and forever and forever and forever. And if you believe that, shout amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Hallelujah. He's greater. He's bigger. He's more wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the King. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Now, if I was going to teach from that, I'd say, look to your neighbor and say, monitor your mouth. Amen. There's no sense in just getting emotional without getting educated. Isn't that right? And if you find yourself talking more about the negative than the positive, then you have to take the words of your mouth, which are powerful and effective, and you've got to retrain yourself. Not to deny, but to announce and declare what you really believe. Yea, the doctor said this, and yea, it might feel like that, but Jesus is still wonderful, and Jesus is still faithful, and Jesus is still the final answer in my life. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, good morning. It is so good to see everybody out. What a great God we serve. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And adults, if you would turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, we want to continue the series of sermons, Jesus' messages to the churches in the book of Revelation. We're coming to the end. We've got two more, this one and one more. So if you would, Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse number 7. To the angel... Of the church in Philadelphia write. These are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the key of David. What he opens no one can shut. And what he shuts no one can open. I know your deeds. See I have placed before you an open door. That no one can shut. I know you have little strength yet. You have kept my word. And have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan. Who claim to be Jews. Though they are not but are liars. I will make them come down and fall down at your feet. And acknowledge that I have loved you. And since you have kept my command to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial. That is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Verse 11, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious or overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. 
I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, we ask you to give us ears to hear this morning. Lord, we thank you that those these were letters to your churches 2,000 years ago, there are still lessons for us. And that in these scriptures, you have a message for each one of us. You have principles. You have promises. Yeah, you have warnings. Help us to give heed to your word, receiving it and responding to it in faith. In Christ's name and all God's people said. This morning we'll talk about the Philadelphia church, the faithful church with an open door. Now we've said before the Apostle John was on the Isle of Patmos. It was a Roman penal colony where they would send enemies of the state hopefully to die off. It was just a barren rocky island maybe uh, 30 or so miles off the coast of present-day Turkey. And the Bible says that on the Lord's Day, John was in the Spirit and he had a glorious vision of Jesus Christ. It It was magnificent. It caused John to fall at his feet. But in this glorious vision, Jesus had seven messages for seven different local churches in that area of Asia Minor. And so we've been going through them and we kind of say letters to them, but lessons for us. Because though Jesus was speaking to some real churches and real pastors and real people all those years ago, the Bible says, He who has an ear, let him hear. Because God is still speaking these lessons and these principles, these warnings, these promises to his people today, and that's us. So this morning we want to study the church at Philadelphia. The church at Philadelphia. Because again, our goal from studying this, we want to learn what Jesus himself applauds, what he approves of, what he warns and what he judges. Because we want to please the Lord, amen? Whether it's individually or as a corporate body, we want to please the Lord. So we want to study and see what does he say? What does he promise us? How should we act? What should we avoid? Now again, the church was studying that church at Philadelphia. This city was called the Gateway of the East. It was located, very strategically located. It was at the point where three great countries all came together and merged. And because of that, obviously, it was commercially very prosperous because everyone had to pass through. But it was also religiously very, um, they they called it Little Athens because there were so many um, temples in that city. So obviously there was a lot of spiritual and religious darkness and opposition there. The church was small, but it was of good quality, and that matters most. Um, Its enemies came from the outside, not the inside, because there's no mention here of a heresy or of some kind of factions that are going on. And like the church at Smyrna, They received no blame, only praise from the Lord. Now the Philadelphia church was a faithful church that had a great opportunity before it. And you'll notice in this letter as we start out very early on that it has some very vivid symbolic descriptions. For instance, you read about there's a key and there's a door and there's a pillar. So let's establish what they are from the very beginning. The open door stands to the church's opportunity. The key of David stands for Christ's authority. And God, the pillar in God's temple, stands for the believer, the overcomer's security and stability. 
Now Jesus has the keys. And he has opened the door and he promises every one of us that will stay faithful and overcome security, stability, opportunity, and ultimately victory and authority in his kingdom that will never end. And so this morning, let us open our hearts and give ear to what the Lord is speaking to us as a group, but also as individuals and as families. Listen, friend, there's an open door before your life. Number one, we see the destination of the letter. The destination of the letter. Verse 7, that's very easy. It's the church at Philadelphia, that church of brotherly love. And we see that it's a spiritually healthy and a spiritually faithful church. But now, number two, the description of the Lord. The description of the Lord. Focusing on verse 7. And we see here, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, and what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, we want to remember, as Jesus is describing himself, He's revealing to us something about him. He's also instructing us some kind of response he wants from us. I want you to notice four things. Number one, it starts out, he's holy. Jesus Christ presents himself to his church as the one who is holy. Now this refers to deity. He's declaring himself to be God because only God possesses absolute holiness. Jesus Christ is holy in his character holy in his words, holy in his actions and his motives and his purposes. And as the Holy One, he's set apart. He's separated from sin. He's completely pure and unblemished in every way. And the Lord of the church is holy. So, of course, he calls and expects his people who call themselves by his name to be holy as well. If you look with me quickly, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. 1 Peter 1. 15 and 16, and Peter writes, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And so we notice, number one, the description of our Lord. He describes himself as the Holy One who calls his church and calls his people to live holy lives as we represent him. Verse 7 says he's holy, but he's also true. Think about that. Jesus is the one who is the true and the genuine. Others are imposters, they're counterfeits, they're, they're false, but he is true and he's totally reliable. He is the true witness we studied in times past. In the midst of an error-filled falsehood, a deceptive world in which we live, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the truth. And you can trust Him. And you can trust His salvation. And you can trust His word. And you can trust His ways. And, and you can follow Jesus. And He'll never lead you astray. You can follow Him. And never be ashamed that you did. He is true. And He leads us in the true righteous path of God Almighty. He describes Himself as the one that is holy. And the one that is true. And as the one who holds the key of David. Now, a key in Scripture speaks of the one that has authority. If you've got the keys, you've got the authority. You can open, you can close, you can give access, you can invite in. Keys speak of authority. Whoever holds the keys has the authority. And as the holder of the key of David, Jesus alone determines who enters into his kingdom. Jesus alone has sovereign authority. We can't let each other into the kingdom. There's only one way you're going to get into the kingdom, and that's through Jesus Christ. 
He said in Matthew's gospel, one of the last words he says was to his disciples, all power and authority, both in heaven and earth, has been given unto me. Jesus has all authority. Not the superintendent, not the bishop, not the pope. Jesus Christ has all authority. Earlier we read in Revelation 1 that he has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Christ alone has those keys. But also the keys of salvation and the keys of privilege and the keys of opportunity and blessing. And now finally under the description, not only is he holy and true, not only does he describe himself as the one that has the key of David, but he also says here that he identifies himself as the one, he, he who opens and no one can shut, and who shuts, and no one can open. This description is stressing the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of our Lord. See, what he does cannot be overturned by someone more powerful, but there is no one more powerful than the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, no one can outvote Jesus. A, a parliament or a congress, they cannot outlegislate Jesus. The World Council of Churches, they can't overrule or or disregard Jesus. It can't be done. He alone is Lord. No one can shut doors to the kingdom or to its blessings if he holds them open. And no one can force them open if he decides to hold them shut. He's the one that reigns over all. He is the supremely sovereign of his universe. Great comfort for the believer that understands that. There's a great comfort to know that the one we serve, the one we love, and the one we call on, the one we sing about, he holds the keys, and he has the final say, and he's the one that that can make a way or overrule men's plots and men's attempts. He's the one that fulfills his promises. We rejoice in the fact that the Lord is on our side, and if God be for us, who can be against us? We find great confidence in life because we know the battle is the Lord's and he goes before us. The omnipotent one who reigns and rules, our promotion comes from him and our protection comes from him and our provision comes from him. And this is the wonderful encouragement that this church, the Philadelphia church had, that Jesus says, you might be small, but you're faithful. You might be surrounded by those that don't love me and those that would try to um, stifle what you're doing for me, but let it be known I hold the keys and I'm the one that has all authority and I'll open doors and if I shut a door, Caesar cannot open it up and if I decide to open a door, all the legions in Rome or hell can't resist my will. And I thank God that it's the same thing for this church and every Bible-believing church that exalts the name of Christ. The church of Philadelphia was confronted by many challenges. Again, it was a small church, but it was a healthy church. But it was surrounded by much moral and spiritual wickedness and opposition. But oh, to have the assurance, as we used to sing, blessed assurance. Jesus, he's mine. He belongs to me. Can you say amen? To have the assurance that he has the power to open any door, and to unleash any blessing, and to revive any situation. My friend, he's still the resurrection and the life, and you might be facing an area that you think is dead, but Christ can rise it up again. Jesus can breathe life into areas and relationships and situations that men are giving up on, but oh, don't you give up if you're a servant of the Most High God. Don't give up if you love the Lord Jesus, but you trust in Him, and you stand on His Word, and you watch His mighty power work in your life. We thank the Lord this morning 
He opens doors, and when the doors he opens, men can't shut, but he also shuts doors. And when he shuts them, all the huffing and puffing won't move them. He can open any door, and again, he can unleash any blessing. He can revive any situation, as well as close the door on any adversary, any attack, any assault, whether it be men or devils. As David sang, but thou, O Lord, art a shield all around me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Like the prophet Isaiah said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard and repel him and resist him. So as you walk your walk with God, hell will try to attack, hell will try to discourage, but don't you be afraid. The one that sent you goes before you. The one that called you to that place has surrounded you. He opens the doors and he shuts the doors. And as long as you're with him, everything is going to be all right. We thank God this morning. For the Lord that opens up doors of blessing for our lives. And we can count those blessings and thank God for each and every one of them. But may we also praise him this morning for the many shut doors that he has blessed us with. I mean, prayers he didn't answer, at least not the way I wish he would have. I mean, times I thought I knew better, but oh, he overruled me. Thank God he overruled me. I'm talking about the blessing of the closed door. For friend, when he shuts it, it's good. When he shuts it, it's mercy. When he shuts it, it's grace. When Jesus shuts it, shout his praises, even if you don't understand him, as God is good. He's too wise to make a mistake and too loving to ever be unkind. I thank God this morning for some doors, some closed doors, doors that he shut. How about you? How about that time that sickness wanted to take you out, but Jesus said, no, no. He shut the door and brought some healing into your life. How about that time when hell was trying to take you down the wrong path and you looked and just in time, hell, Jesus shut the door and turned your life around. How about the time hell was oppressing you and trying to suffocate you? And if you'd be honest, you were getting ready to give up. You were getting ready to walk out on that marriage. You were getting ready to leave your faith. But just in time, he shut the door of hell's attack and he breathed refreshing and reviving. He gave you a second wind. Somebody, your second wind is coming. It is too soon to quit. God is a good God. Jesus is a faithful shepherd and he's getting ready to shut the door on that attack. He's getting ready to slam it. Oh my God. You shall live and not die and declare the goodness of your God. He's going to shut the door. You will praise him and you will testify of his goodness. He'll turn it around. He'll halt hell's advances and he'll cause them to flee in seven different ways. Oh, what a God we serve. What he opens, no one can shut. Oh, I like that. Go ahead, Jesus. The description of our Lord. He's holy. We ought to be holy. Can you say amen? Amen. He's true. You don't got to be deceived. Don't got to be confused. Some of y'all watch too much confusion. Stop watching so much confusion. Open up that book and get some truth. And you're going to be all right. Can you say amen? He holds the keys. He has the authority. Jesus has the final say. Isn't that wonderful? It's good to know you know somebody. Isn't that right? We know Jesus. All right, might not know the bishop, might not know the senator, might not want to know some of them all, quite frankly. But if you know Jesus, 
That's all that matters. He's going to open, and no man can shut it. When God decides to bless you, look out, you're going to get blessed. Amen? Just begin to praise him, get happy over it. When he wants to shut a door, you're in good hands. You forget all state, you're in good hands with Jesus. Amen? The destination, the description. How about the diagnosis? Now focus on verse 8. We, we touched verse 7. Now look at verse 8. Here's the diagnosis. There's four things here. Verse 8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have. I like that. It's out there. God gives someone eyes to see the opportunity. A lot of people miss the opportunity. Amen? It doesn't stay open forever. I placed before you an open door. I placed it before you. And no one can shut it. I know that you have little strength. He knows your condition. He knows the burden you're carrying. He knows exactly what you're feeling. Hallelujah. I know you have little strength. Yet, you have kept my word. And have not denied my name. The diagnosis of our Lord, number one, he opens doors. We mentioned that, but this is the good news. Here Jesus is opening doors for this faithful church. He's giving them an opportunity to touch their world. Again, they were strategically located. Things aren't an accident when you walk with the Lord. They were placed and positioned by Jesus. In a perfect place where all these great countries were coming, which means people and travelers and businessmen. What a prime place to preach the gospel. And God knows where he's put you. So open your eyes and see the fields are wide under harvest. He's given them an opportunity to touch their world in the same way he's opening up a door for you to touch your world and make a difference in your world. For Jesus Christ is the great door opener. He's a glorious way maker. He's the giver of opportunities. Let us see them so we can seize them. Let us see them so we don't look back 20 years later saying, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, oh God, give us eyes to see this morning and ears to hear this morning so we will not walk by the opportunities that the Almighty has orchestrated for our lives to respond to, to embrace, to minister through. You see, strategically, the Philadelphia church was located perfectly in the plan of God with Jesus holding open a door for effective service. What a thought. Placed and positioned by God and for God. When you walk with God, it's a beautiful thing when you walk with God. So many of the promises are for those that walk with God. Amen? But when you walk with God, you can really believe God orders my steps. And if you really believe God orders your steps in, your life has been placed, your life has been positioned, your life has been put strategically where you are for this time, for God and by God, and that's an awesome thought. You were put there to be fruitful. You were put there to be productive. It's no accident that you are where you are. It's a divine placement in the plan of the grand designer for this season of your life. It might just be to declare the word of God. It might be there just so you can be an example and shine the light for others that are going through it. Various reasons. 
But when you walk with God, you have the confidence that life is not an accident. Life is not a mistake. I am divinely appointed by the living God to be where I am in the time that I am. For such a time as this, you are here and God has a word for you and God has a mission for you. Let us see it so we can seize it and be bold and daring as we respond to the now of our lives. You see, when God opens a door, when God wants to use an individual, there are both opportunities and obstacles before the church of the individual. For example, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. Paul, the great apostle, is writing about an open door that God gave him, a fruitful ministry. But it's not, it doesn't come out without opposition. Paul writes, because a great door, a great door for fruitful, effective work has opened to me. And that sound good? Glory be to God. Woo! Hallelujah! Amen? And they're excited and they're getting ready to take the world until old Slewfoot shows up. Wooden bargain. Oh, no, well, of course he shows up. He never kicked a dead horse. Isn't that right? <laughs> if you got anything you can do for the Lord, you better believe he's going to show up. It's a fight of faith. Isn't that right? Paul says, a great door of fruitful, effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. You see, in the reality of life, in the kingdom of God, opportunities and obstacles come hand in hand. It is a fight of faith. But unbelief just tends to see the obstacles. But faith is able to see the opportunities. And not only that, faith is also able to see the obstacles in their proper perspective. I think that's important. Unbelief just sees the problem, just sees the I can'ts, misses what God really wants to do in the situation because he gets so caught up in the opposition part of it. But faith not only sees the opportunity, what can be, faith is able to look realistically, spiritually, realistically, and properly at the opposition. But the walk of faith is not a walk of denial. The walk of faith is not a dreamland. The walk of faith has a reality to it. We all know the greatest example from the Old Testament is the life of Caleb. There was no denial that there's giants out there. They're big, ugly, and they got bad breath. Can you say amen? There's no denial that the enemy had big fortresses and, and they were mean and they were ugly and all. But the fact was, he didn't deny that, but he said, you know what? My God is able. My God is bigger. My God is greater. My God is promised. And if God said it, he's going to do it. If God promised it, he'll bring it to pass. Amen? So faith is not just this fairy tale land. Oh, I dreamed a dream. Oh, good, good for your dream. But sooner or later, we got to put some action to that dream. And as soon as you start acting on what God has called you to do, hell will call out his negativity. He will call out his frustrations and all these things. That's not time to tail it and run. That's not time to say, well, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. Then it's time to dig up and put on the whole armor of God and and say, I am not here by accident. I am not here by my own sake. I am here in the will of God. I am here divinely appointed of God. And the God that sent me here, He will anoint me for this task. He will enable me to accomplish this desire. And He will give me whatever I need to make it in this place for His name. Can you say amen? amen. amen. 
Faith has the ability to see the opportunity. But faith also can see some reality. Reality sneaks up its head when you start doing God's will. And negativity comes and things get hard. And half the time that's when they turn around and find another word. Spend half their lives running for another word. You got 15 of them. When are you going to pray one to pass? Time to get rededicated. Man, you've rededicated yourself 17 times. When's it going to stick? Come on, say amen. Faith. The ability to see the opportunity. Jesus said in John's gospel, open your eyes and see. Man, the fields are white. You don't even got to pray for them. They're all around you, man. The opportunity is everywhere. The needs are everywhere. Just open your eyes and see. And as you begin to do your part to reach them and to meet them and to help them and to be God's vessel to minister to them, hell will try to hinder that, yes. The enemy will try to discourage you in doing good. Every time you decide to get serious with God, of course the enemy will try to discourage you. And if that's all it takes to get you to give up, his job is easy. Make up your mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. Devil, you can throw anything you want at me. The whole world can walk out of me. I've made up my mind. I'm going forward in Jesus. Amen. Everybody can backslide. Everybody call me ugly, fat, and plump. Amen. But I'm going forward in Jesus. Because faith not only sees, faith has a response to the reality of what is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And since Jesus holds the keys... He's in control of the outcome. So let's do our part to stand firm in the faith and obey his command and watch him work his wonders in our lives. He's going to work his wonder in your life if you let him. He'll work his wonder in your life if you'll just stand firm and trust him. May our eyes be open to see and may we be ready to respond to the open doors of opportunity that Jesus has set before each one of us. Let's never be too busy or spiritually sleepy to miss the God moments all around us. The God moments to speak that word, to pray that prayer, to meet that need, to take that action. Behold, I set before you an open door. Can you see it? Will you respond to it? The opportunity before you and I this day to serve the Lord or to receive from the Lord. Somebody, God wants to bless you. Somebody, God wants to bless you bad. God wants to bless your life. You've got to respond to it. You've got to position yourself for it. You've got to do your part to position yourself that that blessing can flow in your life. Get ready for that door to give to the cause of Christ. Get ready for that open door to touch lives in the name of Christ. Be ready to do your part. To be part of what the King of Kings is doing in the right now of our lives. Oh my. See, there is an open door before each one of us. Regardless of what stage of the game we're at. Regardless of what mile marker on the race we're at. There is an open door of opportunity to contribute to the cause of Christ, to shine the light for the glory of Christ, to speak words to someone of hope 
of healing, of help, in the name of Christ. And those open doors are both a privilege and a responsibility. There are a lot of open doors out there. I think the greatest open door has to be the open door of salvation. You know, Jesus said in John's Gospel, I am the door. A door is what you walk through to get into it. Jesus, I'm the door of salvation. If you want to go to heaven, it goes through Jesus. Do you want to know heaven's your home one day? Then you better get there through Jesus. He's the only way. He's the one that gives access to salvation. He's the one. Heaven goes through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Have you entered in? The open door of salvation. Have you responded to that door? Don't put it off. Don't neglect it. It won't last forever. Respond to the open door of salvation. Give your life to Christ. Put your faith in Christ. Surrender your life and give your all to Jesus Christ. There's an open door. That's the open door of salvation. For this is the day of grace. This is the hour that whosoever will, it doesn't matter how bad you've been or how many times you've tried to fail, you can come to Christ. The open door of salvation, the opportunity for men to get forgiven and saved and know that they know heaven is their home. It's open right now. Have you responded? Have you opened and gone through that door? Set before you an open door of their salvation. But then once we're saved, there's that door of service, of involvement. After all, anyone that's gone through that great door of salvation, anyone, common sense, can we be, have some common sense? Anyone that's really gotten saved, I don't mean someone, you know, I'll leave that alone. Anyone that's truly been saved? Wouldn't there be something in your heart that would want to serve this great God that did so much for you? That's not deep, is it? I'm not trying to be deep. Isn't that common sense? Can I appeal to our common sense? If you really believe you're going to heaven because Jesus died for you, doesn't that want to do something to man? If God's only begotten son would shed his blood and go through such agony for me, it's just right that I do something for him? That's where the open door of service is. The open door of opportunity to serve and labor, to sacrifice, to give. It's a great privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and be part of the cause of Christ. What are some of the many opportunities and open doors for service? How can we store up treasure in heaven? How can we live here in such a way where we're productive for eternity? Let me give you four C's and I'll do it quickly. Number one, we, we, can, we, we can give our service to the ministry of children. children. Invest in children. When you see a child, you see the greatest of all opportunities. The future is in them. We must see the importance of touching, reaching, and protecting the children. Jesus loves children. Children. I mean, open door of service, ministry to the children. Make sure your children know Christ. Make sure your children. You want to know the will of God? If you've got kids in your house, your will, the will of God for you. Don't got to read any books. Don't got, I'm telling you the will of God. The Bible tells you the will of God. Just make sure those kids have every opportunity to hear the gospel, to know the gospel, to be part of the church, and to know Jesus Christ personally. Nothing else matters. Save them for their college. That's good. You can have an educated heathen. Don't, no, no, no. The house of God. The house of God. Are you with me? Young people, are you with me? Young families. Nothing more important. We took them fishing. That's not going to get them to heaven. 
oh, so we, I, could, I could run with this. I could run for an hour. I'm not going to do that. When it's all said and done. I said, when it's all said and done. When it's all said and done. What really matters? We can lie about you after you die. But when all said and done. I'm only responsible for this group. I'm not responsible for anyone else down the street for this group. Darken these doors. Now I got to stand accountable before God. Open door of service starts with our children. Jesus loves children. Children are a gift from God, but they're also a great responsibility from God. And the most important ministry that any of us have is to make, raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. After the children. Oh, there's a, we got to get another C, right? I said four C's, didn't I? After the children, how about the church? The open door of the church. The open door of the local body. Well, you can come to give, but also to get. Well, you can come to be blessed, but also to be a blessing. There, there's an open door called the church, called the local assembly, where you can come and you can be fed and you can enjoy every different people's ministries and different people's talents and encourages. But you can also come and use and be part of what God's doing on the earth because typically flows through his body, the local church. There's an open door. Take advantage of God's house and God's family. Learn and grow, develop and serve, contribute. One of the greatest investments you'll ever make, honor God's house, honor God's day and participate in God's family. How about that? Anybody? Receive the blessing that comes from being part of the local family of God. How about community? I mean, th- those you work with, those you maybe you go to school with, that you shop with, the neighborhood, your next door neighbor. We, we live in a needy world, but if we'll be alert and we'll offer ourselves to be God's instrument, will God use you? He'll wear you out if you let him. Are you kidding me? You just give yourself to the Lord. Use my life to bless others. The next thing you know, man, people are going to be crawling over you. Hey, help me. Hey, what about I mean, You're going to say, where are these? Lord, all right, Lord. All right, Lord. Pace it, Lord. Pace it, Lord. <laughs> oh, i got so many hours in the day, Lord. All right? I'm still reeling over the last one you sent me. Amen. All right. <laughs> Community. If we will be alert and offer ourselves to be God's instrument, we will see how strategically how strategically located our lives are and how God will direct our days with divine appointments. Listen, heaven will orchestrate our steps so we can talk and witness, invite people, minister to people. Not accidents, not coincidence, but appointments and open doors to represent Jesus and to be his hands and to be his voice children and church and community and we're so blessed to have the Bowdens with us the great commission that's for the missionaries there's an open door out there last time I checked the world hadn't been saved yet that means that door of service you know some of the last things Jesus ever told his disciples go into all the world you know last things are lasting things those last words or someone's last words the last burden on Jesus heart that we love so much he said go out to all that world and tell them the good news about me. 
Go to every nation, every tribe, every color, every language and tell them there's good news from heaven. Men don't have to die in their sins for God sent his son to die on a cross and shed his blood that men could be forgiven and men could be brought and made right with God. And then he's entrusted you and I with the commission to tell that story and to go everywhere in the world telling the good news. Jesus loves you and Jesus saves. God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. Let's all do our part to get the gospel out. There's a part for everyone to play. If God's sending you, then go, go, go in the name of the Lord and touch as many as you can and declare it with love and compassion to as many as you can. If you're not sent to go, then send them and support them. Give and sacrifice and pray for them. But do your part. Behold, I set before you an open door. There's an open door of salvation. And if you're not saved, don't leave here until you come to Christ. You won't go to heaven just because you only get to heaven if you personally receive Christ and walk with him. But then once you're saved, don't stop there. Recognize there's an open door of service for all that really love the Lord. It starts with our family, doesn't it? Raising those children to know Christ. But then from there, there's a local church that we can get plugged in and we can come and receive from it, but also give to it. There's both. We come and get encouraged. Amen. I mean, again, every time I get blessed, every time those men at the end of that men's breakfast, I pray the blessing, and I say, now bless your brother on your left and on your right. And you hear those men, you hear a little humming going to heaven, you hear a little groaning going to heaven. They're praying for their brothers. They're praying all around. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. That's part of the blessing of being part of the family. Amen? You're not in this thing alone. You've got friends and family. They're going to pray with you and weep with you and fight this good fight of faith with you. And then there's a community. We live somewhere. We shop somewhere. We go to work somewhere. And as God opened up doors, it might just be to smile at that cashier that you know she's having a bad day. And even for a southern, having a bad day. No, they usually don't. They usually smile and they talk a little too much for my taste. I like get in and out, but that's just me. Hey, man, I don't, <laughs> I'm not too much in conversation. Amen. But sometimes you see them and you can tell they had a rough day. And just to pause and say, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. The Lord loves you. And so a seed of kindness and generosity. You, you, you got a world you live in. You got a neighbor somewhere. They, they, they might be a little ugly. You know what I mean? They might not clean up their yard like they should, but that's okay. They'll give you an opportunity to somehow connect with them and befriend them and be kind to them. And then there's that great commission. We're all responsible to do our part to make sure. I mean, some of us have been so blessed. I know many of you like me, we just got raised up in this thing. Amen? I mean, we were coming to this thing, um, I want to say before we were conceived, if you could say that, but we, we just, this is all we've known. Ain't that right? And all we've known. I think back to some of the earliest memories of my life, seek praying. Four or five years old, we raised in this, all we know. Isn't that right? We don't know anything else. When tough times come, we call on the Lord. When hard times come, might be through tears, we seek the Lord. That's all we know. That's all I need to know. Isn't that right? My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And we that are so privileged and so blessed, we have to realize there's an open door of service. And part of that is the great commission. The commission Jesus gave his followers to do their part to let the world know the gospel message. Hallelujah. I'm going to wind this down. Well, they flip my clock on me. It's all right. So blame them if I'm running late. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs>
I said, it says I got a minute. It's kind of like this. So I, I might have three minutes. So I'm going to run this one quick. I'm going to run this one quick. You ready? He's diagnosed. And the first one is the open door of opportunity to serve. But secondly, I love this next part. He says, um, yet I know you have little strength. Wow. Listen, friend, God knows your condition. And sometimes as God opens a door, sometimes we know there's a certain responsibility and duty we should be carrying out. And sometimes life can really lay us waste and really work us over. And sometimes we feel in our own hearts, Lord, I got this little strength. And the Lord says to them as he says to us, yet I know you have, I know, I know, I know. I know he's not being supportive. I know the enemy's trying to bring back that old failure, I know. I know you tried this before and it was, didn't work out. I know, you have a little strength. But that's okay, because I'll be your strength. He says, I know your condition. But it's not in your own wits, and your own power. I'll give you the strength you need. I'm not only a way maker, I'm a refresher and a reviver and a renewer of the strength of my people. So yet I know the condition. So don't let that turn you off or make you want to give up. I'll give you the strength you need to take on the task that is before you. You might feel weak or inadequate for the task, but the Savior you serve is the source of your strength. Talk with one of the dear sisters often, and we talk about the fact, never been this way before. I used to think that was just for the young people, you know what I mean, jumping a job and getting... The older I get, I realize there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things we face in life. They didn't give us that book in college. I never took that course. And how do I deal with Barry and Mama are doing I never, a lot of these things? Or, you know, it's just one of those. Isn't that right? And so sometimes we feel weak, but the Lord says, I'll be your strength. I know you feel. I know your condition. But I'll be the strength. You can lean on me. and You can trust in me. And God will enable you to do whatever is required of you to meet that present task. You take that person, you take it to the bank. He says, again, you have next thing yet, you've kept my word, you've been faithful, and you've not denied my name, you've been loyal. Oh, my God, my God. In the midst of a world that often refuses to believe, that denies the truth of God's word, that rejects the authority of the Bible. This church kept his word, and so shall we. We shall stay true. We shall refuse to depart from the thus saith the Lord of the gospel. He says, you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Wow. When all is done, the only name that will matter the only achievement that makes any difference to anything is the name of Jesus. Don't deny that name. Never ever be ashamed of that name. Make sure you live a life always that honors that name. She says, you've not denied my name. (laughs) Oh, man. In verse 10, he kind of, he says this, he goes, because you have kept my command, I'm going to keep you. 
because you've been faithful and loyal to keep my word and to keep your walk with me as it should be. I'm going to keep you, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to bring you through. Man, the Philadelphia church, the faithful church, that had a great door of opportunity before it. Letters to them and lessons for us. As a church and as individuals, as families, let's be faithful and let's be loyal. And let's respond wholeheartedly to the doors of opportunity of service that God has given us. We're his people. We're his instruments. Let him find a faithful people, a willing people, that as those doors open, we'll see them and we'll seize them. And we'll use our lives for the glory of God. Open doors. As we said earlier, the most important door that is open right now is the door of salvation. There is no other door that will get you into heaven but Jesus Christ. There is no other way to know you're going to go to heaven when you die than through Jesus Christ. But the good news is that door is open to whosoever will. Who don't matter what you are, you might have been a terrible sinner if you'll repent of that sin and give your heart to Christ. That door is open. He'll receive you. He'll transform you. He'll write your name in that book of life. Open door. But for the rest of us that love God and know we're right with God, listen, friend, there is an open door before you in this coming year, an open door of usefulness and an open door of blessing. There's going to be open doors for you to do things for the kingdom. There's going to be open doors for you to touch lives for Christ. And there's also going to be some open doors because God wants to bless some people. I want someone to know that prayer is coming to be answered. That door that you've been wondering will it ever open is going to swing open and God's going to toss it off its hinges. In this coming year, there will be open doors of opportunity to serve but also to receive from the blessing of God. And to see some prayers that you've cried over and you've weeped over finally come to pass for the glory of God. Get ready to respond and receive. This is your year of divine appointment, so get ready and watch God work in your lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Pray the final prayer and we'll open the altar sing our final song. If for any reason you've never responded to that door of salvation and really given your life to Christ, I mean and mean it, and live for Him afterward. Don't just parrot it, but make a sincere decision receive Christ and give your life to Christ that door is open in just a few minutes I'm going to pray and singers are going to sing and altars are going to be oh people are going to come for various reasons so you won't be picked on you won't be spotted out but if you have not received Christ it's your opportunity to respond for the rest of us this is a great year I don't care what the news says or anybody else they can overflow hospital. They can overflow everything they want. I'm going to have a good year in Jesus. How about you? Amen. Calls me home. I'm going to have a greater year. And say amen. amen. I'm going to have a good year. In, anybody want to have a good year in Jesus? Amen. amen. I'm going to have a good year in Jesus. Amen. I don't know what the world's going to be like, but in the Lord, I'm going to have a good year. I'm going to have a good year. So I'm going to do that by offering myself afresh to God. I'm going to start this year out right. Lord, whatever you want. I can't avoid the path I'm walking. Let's make it the best for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? And Lord, give me an awareness so when the opportunity comes, I'm not going to let it slide by. I'm going to see it so I can seize it. Yes. Lord, I'm going to be that yielded vessel. Amen? Yes, Lord. And Lord, I want to thank you before the answer comes for some answered prayers. Yes, They're going to bop me on the head in 
20, what's it, 22? What time, where are we at 20? I don't know where I am, amen, 22. I got lost in 1985 somewhere along the way, amen. I got, I, got stuck in, I got stuck in the 80s, never did get out of there, amen, hallelujah. Go ahead and stand with me, stand with me. We're going to pray the blessing and open the altar. If you need prayer for anything, we will pray for you. If you want to be anointed with oil, Pastor Todd and I will lay hands, we'll believe God. If you just want to come and present the year to the Lord, go ahead. You just want to come because you want some refreshing and you want just a fresh feeling to get out there and fight the fight and run this race. Well, go ahead. We pray, Father, we thank you for the lessons from this church at Philadelphia. Help us also as individuals and as a church body, help us to be found faithful and loyal to you. Jesus is not more important than being found faithful and loyal to you. Help us in this coming year to be alert and responsive to the doors of opportunity you shall bring to us. Help us, Lord, to respond with a daring, obedient faith. We will not procrastinate. We will not waver. We will not be bound by hesitation. But, oh God, As we clearly recognize it is you that has opened the door, we will respond with a daring, obedient, and a bold faith. We'll throw off that timidity. We'll throw off that irresponsibility, the inconsistency, and we will be determined in this coming year to respond wholeheartedly and with a daring faith to the opportunities to be your vessel and your instrument. Use us, Lord, to touch many and to do mighty things for your name. Now, Lord, I ask you, please, fill afresh everyone here that is thirsty and weary. Some have had a rough year, Lord. This past year has been one big fight of faith, and Lord, you know our condition you know some of us are tired and weary and weak but Lord you're our strength and as they look to you right now I pray that from heaven you'd shower them with refreshing and reviving and encouragement and reminders that you're with them and you're for them and you will enable them to meet every task and accomplish every assignment Now, Lord, touch those that are battling in their bodies. Touch them with healing power. May all those that need a breakthrough, physically or emotionally, receive from the hand of God this morning that divine touch. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, these altars are open. If you'd like prayer, please come. If you just want to come and pray, come and pray. Let's